What's up, world? It's Katrina. And Marlena. And this is Excess Baggage. The podcast where two friends in their 30s unpack all of life's baggage. This episode, we will be unpacking imposter syndrome. Okay, let's start the show. How are you? I'm good. Good to see you, hear you for the audience. <laughs> yes. Uh, welcome to Excess Baggage. Um, if you're tuning in today, I actually have a guest host because Katrina is on vacation, living her best life. And I didn't want to keep you guys waiting any longer for another episode. And so uh, one of my good friends, Matthew, graciously accepted my invitation. So um, welcome to the show, Matthew. How are you? Good. I'm really excited to be here. I love your show. Well, um, at the beginning of each show, we always ask, what is your baggage for today? And so I wanted to ask you, have you been experiencing any today or this week or lately? Yeah, I mean, so on the topic of imposter syndrome, that's a lot of the baggage I've been (laughs) unpacking lately, you know, just really stepping into your power, believing you can do it. And for me, it's kind of constant. Um, and it's something I'm continuing to like grow in and everything. So that's the baggage. Cause, um, the reason why it's like so big for me right now is because, um, I just branched off to be fully independent with my own business. So you can imagine the amount. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That that's an amazing thing. I'm every time I hear someone say that I'm, I'm just in awe because I'm totally the opposite. I'm afraid. (laughs) I don't want to say I'm afraid, but It's nice to have a check coming in every two weeks. So, you know. Right. And then like sometimes you're like, hey, I have a surplus of money. And then sometimes you're like, where are we going to do? Where is it going to come from? Exactly. exactly. Um, but what's been interesting, I mean, I've been an entrepreneur since I was seven, selling lemonade at a lemonade stand kind of a thing, you know. And I come from a family of entrepreneurs. Like my mom is an entrepreneur. My brother is an entrepreneur. He's actually crushing it with his pool business with like two million TikTok followers. Uh, like, yeah, I saw that. And I was like, right. uh, how can? <laughs> I be down. What are right? you doing, exactly. Mark? Exactly. Okay. Mark painted pools. Yeah. Shout out to Mark. I Shout miss out him. To Pool Pro MJ. Yes. Um. And yeah, so it's really within me and <clears throat> I've always had some sort of side something, you know, like even all the times that I've had a full-time job, I've been completely satisfied in my jobs and loved every aspect of where my career has gone. But there's always been something that's been steadfast in me and that's being a creative and a producer. So, um, you know, I've been doing it on the side for a long time and finally it it hit like actually in 2020, I started um, getting into podcasts and started producing them and it really turned into a full-fledged business and it ended up being the perfect time where podcasts are all the rage these days. It's a billion dollar ad industry. It literally is the new medium and just really shifted my skills from film and video production to podcast production. And I've always been a huge podcast fan and love conversation, the dialectic. Um, fast forward to having in like two years, eight shows we've produced with my company. So nice. it was time to, yeah, really just kind of go ahead and do that. So that's what I'm doing full time. So it's funny with the imposter syndrome, even though when you have like several shows running at the same time, you're like, oh my gosh, am I good enough? Is it enough? And it's so interesting how that kind of creeps up on you. And that's really the baggage I deal with daily of like my imposter syndrome comes from, am I doing enough? You know, right. what more can I be doing? Because I yeah. really have a spirit of, I want to be great. I want to achieve these goals. But what about 
focusing on what you have now and celebrating that and then just Mm -hmm. growing step by step. You know, I think a lot of imposter syndrome comes from, well, I'm actually reading The Power of Now right now by Eckhart Tolle. Um, And he talks about how the past doesn't exist and the present, I mean, and the future really doesn't exist. All that exists is the now. So all this worry that we think of really is, it's kind of fake, you know, and we're bringing really the stress upon ourselves. And if we really let us like sit and think in the now of what we have, you know, like, oh my gosh, we're having these amazing conversations in our amazing apartments, drinking wine, food in our bellies. We have the internet, like nothing is wrong at all. So the fact that I have imposter syndrome that I'm not good enough, actually be quiet. Like (laughs) go on and go on over there and have several seats. (laughs) And have several seats. We just don't need you. We are good. (laughs) You know, (laughs) life is good, you know, like knock on wood, things are like steady and everything, at least for now. But I mean, a lot of imposter syndrome, I think, it comes from entrepreneurs is because you're you are creating your check for you, you know, monthly. You know, there's fees, there's fam, you don't know where it's going to go. And it is a risk not showing up every day for a job that gives you a paycheck. And I mean, I've done that all my life and I've loved it. And I've had some really incredible jobs working for amazing companies. But for me, I felt like I needed, for me, my growth comes from stepping out on my own. So, yeah. Well, you just said a mouthful. (laughs) No, no, you're good. You're good. (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm like, as you're talking, I'm like, well, what's my baggage for today? Mm-hmm. I hmm, I think mine, which is, it's always like this, but taking on other people's baggage, mm-hmm. like taking it on as, as if it was mine. Oh. And that's a problem because then it creates baggage for me. But that ain't your baggage. Like, it's not, but I, I know, but it, it <laughs> has always been like that. Maybe <laughs> it is because I am an empath. I feel like if I really rock with someone or I care about somebody and they're going through something, I take it on um, mm-hmm. like it's my own. And then mm-hmm. because it becomes a part of me, then I start being more emotional because all of that stuff it impacts you if you let it. And Mm -hmm. so I've had a few days, I would say, where I felt like because of someone else's baggage, they were treating me a certain way. And instead of me naming what they were doing, I then interned, made it about me. Just Mm -hmm. what did I do? Or could I have said something differently? Or how can I be better? And, um, I have to kind of stop. Well, not not kind of. I need to stop doing that because yeah. it's just, it hurts me at the end of the day because most of those people are not having these same types of conversations with themselves. They don't take on. If something happens to me, I don't feel like, um, mm-hmm. unless they're like, you know, my family or someone really close to me, I don't feel like someone else is like seriously considering or putting me in that type of consideration the way I consider others. Yeah. So I guess that <laughs> is my <laughs> ongoing baggage that I would say a couple of days ago, I, I kind of had to like put my, like stomp my foot down at myself and say like, just let that shit go. Like it's not, right. it's like not even you. worth it. It's not worth yeah. it. So yeah, it's just that and timing, you know, it's everything is about mm-hmm. timing. And I feel that I have wasted a lot of my time caring about people that really don't care about me. That's real. And so, you know, so real. They can care. They care. Sure. They care in the very surface level, but they are not there when I need them. 
Right. right. And they're probably not thinking about you as much as you're thinking about them and causing yourself stress and worry. Exactly. Because you so, take that on. Yeah. And I take it on and I carry it around me in my, mm. you know, small purse that has, which is so funny. <laughs> I hate big purses. I have always really? have like a small, I like them in theory, but like, I always feel like I'm just going to pack more shit in there. And so yeah. my small purse, I overpack that. And so I feel like that is where the tension lies. And so it's like, it, it kind of is, is an homage oh, to my, my life because yeah, I'm yeah. like sticking all this shit in this small bag that doesn't belong, but uh, I feel like I have to have it. You don't want a bigger bag because you don't want to take on more baggage. Because mm-hmm. then I'll What just, would a medium bag do? Would that split the difference or that you would just fill that up? I don't know. Oh, hmm. I don't know. That's a good so question. you have to sounds like a that sounds like something like how do you create more space? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> it sounds like an anthropology. It sounds like an anthropology uh, <laughs> ad or something. <laughs> create more space with us. <laughs> but today's topic is imposter syndrome, and we did go. Yeah, you did go into it a little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Um, what would you say? Because I'm always interested <laughs> in finding out people's. Uh, journeys like where did you start like you mm-hmm. started in film and production because that's how i remember you so yeah. well if we go back we can go back before we go forward just for a little sure. bit uh we met in the 10th grade yep. and matthew just loved film i just remember he loved film <laughs> loved it to the point i believe that sometimes we would like rent vhs tapes from like the library at times, Probably. I feel like that was a thing. Sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> and we would just watch <laughs> stuff or whatever. Like sometimes I think we would just do it on the phone. Like you watch something and I'd watch something. I believe that we did that a couple times. Yeah. Um, and we only went to school for that one year, but we still kept in touch. We always mm-hmm. just liked each other's company. And so I always thought you were just going to be a director. I was just like, he's going to be a director. And that's still it. Still a director. I know. But I'm just saying, yeah. like, I thought that it was like, <laughs> yeah. do you know what I mean? I just, I yeah, felt yeah, like yeah. I, I mean, was going to read I about be, you. I had a three-picture deal by now. <laughs> yeah, I was like, read <laughs> it in the Hollywood Reporter and be like, um, okay. I mean, I've been in the Hollywood Reporter once, but okay. you know, okay. hopefully one more day again. Of course, of course. It's never, never, never too you know, we late have, again. We have so many opportunities to do whatever it is right. that we want. But how would you say, like, like you said, like going from job to job and mm-hmm. then getting to the point where, like, okay, no, like this is it. I'm, I'm out. I'm really about to do this. Yeah, I mean, it's been so interesting. So I graduated um, college right in the first recession, the recession of 2008, 2009. So what was crazy about that was like, I was kind of set to work in the industry. I was working at New Line Cinema. Like I was, you know, a second assistant on the desk. (laughs) Yeah. Back in the day. Throwback. Throwback. Um, Right. Lord of the Rings. (laughs) Um, yeah. And, you know, I was, I worked for, um, like Warner Brothers. I worked for like all these different places. So I was kind of like set to go that Hollywood route. But what was so interesting about, you know, the whole director journey is that like, I didn't want to be an agent. I didn't want to be an assistant. I wanted to be a director and being a director. I mean, that sometimes takes forever. I remember hearing at, um, I went to Biola University and they have the Biola Media Conference. And I remember Scott Derrickson came on stage. He's directed like um, 
Doctor Strange and Exorcism of Emily Rose. And he said the average time it takes a filmmaker to make their first feature film outside of college is 10 years. And I was like, that's preposterous. I oh, will make it after no. that. It's been 10 <laughs> years I ain't made it. So it's real. Um, I can't <laughs> believe know? he said that, though, to like, well, at least he was honest. Right. To a bunch of students. Yeah. Students to and students. adults. Could you, could you imagine like some people in the audience was like crushed, like 10? What the fuck? You I was about 19 years, years old thinking like, nah, uh, you know, and now I'm like, I actually need a little bit more time than that. It takes a while to really get into that, you know, but basically I graduated during the recession and I found myself in an odd yet perfect amount of careers to get where I am today. So like the first job I could get outside of like college was I was working at Disneyland in college. So I just kept that job when I graduated. So I was like working at Disneyland and attractions. And then I worked at Apple and retail. I was going to say, I, I never... do remember you working at Apple. I, I too yeah. remember that. Cause at the same time I was working at Arclight. And so yeah, I, I, I just remember, remember that. Yeah. being like, look at us, like <laughs> these movie nerds that are just like trying to figure right. it out. Exactly. So it was really interesting to just be there. And what's so interesting about life is that it takes you along that journey of like just different jobs. You don't know where it's going to take you. And that's kind of the reality of the real world. But I actually ended up working at Disney a couple of years after Apple in marketing. And I actually found a career in marketing, which was super cool. So what was cool about marketing for me, especially as a filmmaker, I was able to create a lot of content all the time. So if you think about film, it takes like, you know, months to years to make a movie. But with marketing, you make something within a matter of days or weeks. And it was cool just to be creating content. So I really fell in love with that. So I did that for a few years. I built a lot of the social media with the um, department I was working in. And then I had a complete shift and fell into co-working where I was at for five years. What's um, co-working? So co-working is like shared office space with companies like WeWork. Oh, yeah. And, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. So I was a community manager in LA. So I was one of the people to open the LA market. Um, we'll really help expand the LA market with WeWork. And it was a lot of fun and an amazing company. And then I ended up working for a couple other co-working spaces. And what was interesting about that, it was a complete shift from marketing and creativity. So it's like, hey, how do we get back to this? But just bear with me for a little bit. Was it more corporate? Would you say it was? It was kind of corporate and fun. Like what was cool about co-working spaces was that like, they weren't like your traditional job because, you know, they, like I was working for startups. So that's a whole startup culture in itself. And it's like fun, hot companies. You get to do cool, creative stuff that nobody else is doing, you know, reinventing what work means. So like what was cool about that was that I was able to make a ton of connections. So I've always been a connector. So as a community manager and like senior community manager, my job was connecting with the founders and CEOs of these companies, helping them with office space and connecting them with each other. Right. Exactly. (laughs) So I built, I was able to build like a really amazing network over five years and that actually lended to future jobs and future clients from that experience. So that's how it kind of came full circle is when I went out on my own, you know, to run my own business, I had a network that I could come to. And I remember one of my former members, um, who's my charity partner, they asked me, they were like, Hey, you know, how are you around all these entrepreneurs? And, you know, you're not doing your own thing. And I was like, actually, I've been thinking about it. <laughs> and fast forward to start at Rainbow Creative in like 2018, 2017-18. And the idea of it was a community of creators together because I had often been 
pulled and called from a lot of different companies. Hey, make my video, make do, make this. And I'll be referring to a lot of different people. But what if there was a network where a client or a business could come and there was a, a whole community of creators who could really make stuff? So that's what Rainbow Creative is. You know, we're a group of creatives who are filmmakers and now podcasters and photographers and graphic designers who can really make whatever you want, like come true. And since I love having my hand in everything, I, for the most part, serve as a creative director on each project. But really what's cool is that I get to hire like my friends and really talented people I know to work on a lot of different projects. So just, it's been cool. It's yeah. a sales pitch. Are you? <laughs> no, I'm just sharing what my business is. I'm just is. kidding. No, I'm just I'm kidding. I'm a salesperson too. But is this but, a um, sales pitch? Are you? Are, 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 no, I'm talking about my dreams. Rainbow, uh, creative going to work together at some point? Is that what I I'm mean, hearing? You know, but yeah, so that's kind of like, what it is. So yeah, I mean, at some point, you know, when you build something over the past couple of years, it's always been a side hustle for like three or four years, but it started to grow. So here we are. And now we're working in it, making podcasts and having conversations, making movies and videos and all that fun stuff. Hmm. So it took you a while to commit to being a bad bitch because I feel like... <laughs> Well, I had I a full-time job, like, so I didn't have the time. No, <laughs> no, I do feel that. And I guess for me, that's my biggest thing. Yeah. I work a lot. And uh-huh. so I had this, I've said this in a previous episode, I had the idea for excess baggage a while ago. And yeah. I couldn't get me to even like write anything about it. Like I had the concept. Yeah. I, I knew what I wanted. I even kind of knew that I wanted Katrina to be my co-host. Even though I've had people say like, why don't you just do it yourself? Like you're, you're, you know, you're funny. You're, you um, can hold your own. Like, why don't you just, you know, do it alone? And I always felt like that was, I don't know, this sounds, this might sound a little weird, but I always felt like that was kind of like narcissistic in a way, like to just sit there and and talk and, you know, hopefully some people are listening, but you know, if, if, as you build something, you know, if you build it, they will come, but it takes yeah. a while for them to come. So right. I just couldn't imagine me just like, you know, once a week, just sitting here, just talking to myself. Now, if I was talking to myself or an audience or whatever, or someone mm-hmm. that was going to eventually listen to this, it mm-hmm. makes more sense. I feel like if it was something I'm like, I'm recording these tapes, you know, I always hear like actors say that they, you know, record their thoughts or they record, um, yeah. you know, what's going on right there. So like they're children's and you know and their bloodline can listen to so Mm -hmm. like that may would make sense to me but i don't know for for just like for a show just talking even though some like comedians you know they're comedians so they have that you know yeah they they have it but i just i never felt that i could do that so it took me a while to even you know do it and we're on to that yeah and so once 2020 hit I just feel like everyone has had this some type of I don't want to say breakdown, but just really starting to figure out or try to at least try to figure out what it is that that makes them happy. You know, mm-hmm. what it, right. not only what it is that makes them happy, but um, we don't the way people were dying, like we really did not know what was going on. So I felt like people who were creative and maybe didn't get a chance to be creative or Mm -hmm. wanted to try something new and just, you know, I have kids, I have this. I feel like more people were willing to take the risk because their life was in balance. True. Yeah. Uh, So I felt like, 
I don't know. I, <laughs> I've had imposter syndrome at times, but not, I would never say not really because I just wouldn't try. <laughs> I'll be honest. Like, that's just honest. I, I mean, wouldn't that try. Would curb it. Yeah. And if I would just curb it. Yeah. I just, or I would try something. Uh-huh. And then if it didn't really like fulfill me, like maybe I felt good within the moment. Sure. But it was just the instant gratification. Like I didn't want to have to work for it, but I was so comfortable with working for other people. And if you know me, which you do know me, I'm Mm -hmm. very opinionated, very much, very capable of doing my own thing and running my own thing. But I always, I don't know. It was just the fear I feel maybe was instilled in me, you know, growing up with older parents and just Mm -hmm. always being told about being stable. Like that fear Mm -hmm. just never, it never left me until Mm -hmm. this pandemic, you know, it really was just like, okay, I'm working, but the work I was doing where I was so busy, you know, I'm not saying I never came up for air because, you know, I'm, I'm never going to, (laughs) I don't want to say I don't go above beyond. That's not what I'm saying. I feel like my above is already beyond. So if I do go go. above and beyond, that means I was really like, yeah, on one. So I'm never going to overwork and not play. That's just not Marlena, and it's never going to be. Um, <laughs> me, I overwork too much. <laughs> See, like it, that would dri- that yeah. would like literally drive me insane. Sometimes and, I get insane, and I, I I'm learning actually now that like is that what life is about? You know, where does balance come in? And that's that's a different conversation we can go. But yeah. <laughs> no, for sure, I I really felt for me uh, because just growing up and witnessing like grownups fight about the most, like just things that like, I'm just like, why, what? Like, Mm -hmm. I just never really, I don't say I didn't care. I just was like, why are we, we're missing this moment. We could be having these, this, this other moment yet we're doing this. And so I think that's kind of how I've tailored my life, which where I said like, yeah, I'm definitely working, but I, I just enjoy the play money, you know? I enjoy mm-hmm. the play money and I do get paid well. So there you go. Hey. I mean, I it could always be better. Hence, always. you know, I'm putting I, I'm putting <laughs> in well. work now. This is where I'm yeah. this is where I'm at. That's why this is here, you know, not only just because I feel like, of course, the show is to help people get through this because mm-hmm. I felt like for a long time I, I have no idea what's going on. I have no idea mm-hmm. what's going on. I'm moving through the motions, I'm working for these people. I'm getting them more money. They're becoming more rich. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm still in an apartment. You know, I'm mm. still not able to save like I want to. I'm still not right. able to live. And I think that's, I don't know. I'm talking a lot, but I feel like that's a, a lot of like Americans, just the way that we live our lives. It's just like, yes, of course, work hard. I'm not saying right. don't work hard, but the amount of money that's being made around us versus I what feel like, we all are put, pulling in just doesn't match. Right. It just doesn't. I, I saw this Instagram that said, you know, what is society teaching us that self-worth is? And it had a pie chart where half of it was career title and half was salary. And mm-hmm. I've often operated within that framework of who am I? I am this title and I am this salary. But then it gave an alternative. What if your life was a bigger pie of like, 
you know, mental health and happiness and time and income and all those things. Like, do we even live in a society where we can't obtain that? I mean, there's a big, you know, wellness push and mental health push and all these big companies are taking like weeks off for like mental health breaks and all these amazing things. But, you know, does it come down to like helping like build that full pie because what is really you know life about and i think a lot of imposter syndrome actually has to do with relating a lot to our career and income because we find self-worth in that and that's something that i'm trying to deconstruct so it's like two things that i'm working on with imposter syndrome one is to be the best i can be as a podcast producer and a business owner and a filmmaker and a director. And, you know, I was actually talking to a friend of mine and I was like, oh my gosh, I got another deal. And he's like, you keep on acting excited. I mean, you keep on acting surprised about that. Like it's not supposed to happen. And it keeps on happening like several days, you know, out of the month. I need to stop being surprised about that. You know, that's imposter syndrome thinking that like, I'm not worthy of this. Did I trick them? And then when you get the deal, can I, am I even capable of doing it? Well, obviously you are you know, capable of doing it. So that's one piece of it. And then the other piece is like, well, where do I find true self-worth and value? Like, what is life really about? You know, yes, it's about like your accomplishments and like your talents and skills, but when they write your obituary, what are they going to talk about? They're going to talk about like the impact you made on people's lives and, you know, your kindness and Mm -hmm. things. So how do you make space for that to be really the most important enriching part of your life? Because that's who you are at your core, you know? And not what you do. Right. But then what we do, it helps us live. So how do you blend the two, you know, like how do you blend your mindfulness life, your, you know, just creative self, you know, your family and love into a life that is overall fulfilling, you know, and that could be a thing in itself, you know, us striving to be, you know, this perfect in a lot of different ways when we're flawed in a lot of different ways. Another sidetrack, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh God, let's not talk about that. (laughs) Right. (laughs) No, I, yeah, I feel that. I always just think of like these, (laughs) I think of like these, um, like stepping stones, not stepping stones, but you know, like the soap boxes. And there's always like a like a white woman like standing up there and, and she's saying, like, you know, you gotta step into your power. Oh my god. You have to do all these things, you know? And and they're talking about like, can you have it all? Yes, you damn sure can have it all. You know, it's like all these things, and I'm like, um, I'm not saying you can't have it all. Right. But I do feel like people's expectations are very high. Mm-hmm. And it is, like you said, you are reading a book about the power of the now. And I feel like that stepping into your power and all that stuff. Yeah, that's good. But like having it all to me means being mm-hmm. at peace. There it is. So if there you're always like yes. running around because oh you're God. like, you know, I'm this, I'm this or whatever. It's like, okay, you probably are going to break down at some point. And then there's, I've been there. I've been at a place like with previous jobs where I've been running, running, running and really hit a wall and wasn't taking care of myself and wasn't at peace. And, you know, was waking up at like literally 6am starting work and ending at seven, eight o'clock at night. And that was like my days. And there was like no peace when it came of it. And I'm really love that you brought that up. Like what is success? Really? It, it is finding peace, you know, like we'll really work ourselves in the ground and shorten our lives with stress. If we are really chasing all that, like success truly is 
peace. Like I've actually found that with running my own business now more, you know, I finally found a way where it could be sustainable. And with this, it's been a journey of both achieving all my goals and like making my clients happy and creating amazing stuff. But where I'm finding the most success where I am with my business is being able to take a couple hours a day just to like hike. I do like almost daily hikes, you know, and find peace and pick up books. And, you know, when I'm done for the day, you know, as long as there's no appointment, I just stop and then I just rest. Mm-hmm. And then I just read or I watch TV and understanding that rest is productive and that honestly peace over everything. Like we should be aspiring right. for that because that is where I feel like the beauty of life really unfolds. It's true. I think that is what I think brought me on this journey of mm-hmm. even starting it and just saying, you know what? You should be doing you. I've always been a creative person, but I Mm -hmm. have doubted myself so much and never really tried that. Mm -hmm. That would be my wrestling. You know, I would just be restless all the time um, and not being not having the peace, you know, at all. Yeah. And that is a tough place to be. And I think <laughs> I think for sure, because I always knew I wanted to do something else. Um, yeah. But I think that's why I enjoyed my 20s so much. Mm. The reason why I was, you know, going out every night and just living, <laughs> you know, paycheck to paycheck and just like just experiencing them is because, yes, I love that. And people like say, oh, you're a party girl and stuff like that. I'm like, I don't really think I'm a party girl. I just like having... Experiences. experiences. I yeah. can't do the same thing all the time. Same. That would right. really just yeah. grind my gears. Like, I, I, like right. what are we doing? <laughs> Why are we doing right. this? So when I say I enjoyed my 20s, like, yes, I did. But on the there was always the flip side of like, you know, that you could be doing all the things that you really want to do. But instead, you're worried about the wrong things, basically, you know, just worried about the wrong things. And I'm just happy that I had that experience and I'm on the other side of it. Like, yes, yes, I'm still going out, still doing the same things I love to do. But I don't want to say I'm doing I feel like I can stand in. I'm doing it because, number one, I worked my ass off. But number Mm -hmm. two, I feel like I'm proud of proud of something that I'm doing. So I feel like Mm -hmm. now it feels good, more even better of Mm -hmm. being out and celebrating because I never would celebrate me. Um, I was always thinking about, okay, what's next? Okay, how do I do this or whatever? Mm -hmm. But not really. But still in the back of my mind, having that imposter syndrome, like, I can't do this. I can't do yeah. this. Like, yeah, yeah. just, you know, <laughs> waste another two years on this boy and just worried about this <laughs> and, you know, worry about your personal life and not really reflect on anything else. You know, I still mm. managed to have a career, but, mm. you know, there was just a lot of time that I probably could have spent building. And I, I always think about, especially with podcasts, because I've been listening to podcasts for so long mm-hmm. before they were like, you know, what you mentioned earlier, like a, a billion dollar industry, like nobody was on there, you know, no. but I just yeah, liked yeah. the personalities and I felt like I was connecting to these people and it felt more authentic than a celebrity, you know, like all those celebrities yeah. have podcasts because they're, I feel a lot of them are doing it because they want to be more humanized, yeah. right? They want to be more humanized and make the money. So it's like, right. it's a double thing for them because yeah. I feel like a lot of actors just 
it's a big ego on a lot of them. So right. no shade, y'all. Love y'all. But love you. yeah. <laughs> sometimes you're like, okay, what are we doing Do here? Time yeah. out. <laughs> <laughs> right. So yeah. I, I do feel like I feel when I'm doing things that I enjoy, it feels mm-hmm. more of like a celebration and not just me wasting time. Right. Um, That's good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, about like not only is rest productive, but play is productive as well. That's where yeah. connections are made. That's where happiness comes from. That fulfills you. But then at the same point from what you were saying, it's like, but I could be doing more. And that comes down to a personal choice and also a mixture of imposter syndrome. It's like, you know. What is enough is the question. Right. I don't know. And then I think, well, like we were saying, I feel like imposter syndrome is sometimes just you trying to figure out your identity, you know, what you identify as how you want to be seen. Mm -hmm. And I guess you're like presentation almost like your presentation that you're, that you're, you're you're displaying is your brand. Which is, yeah. which is so crazy because I hate people I hate as it. brands. I yeah. hate it because I'm always like, okay, you know, good. I'm glad. Get your money. You know, do yeah. you. So do you think like just, I don't know, what am I trying to say? Do you think that imposter syndrome really stems from you just trying to find your identity? Mm. I think it's two things. I think it's trying to find my identity. That's a huge part of it. But then also the, you know, keeping up with the Joneses concept of really trying to be bigger than who I am. Touching on the identity part of it, you know, it's really about like, what is my brand? Who am I? What is my business? You know, how can I get there? And oftentimes I feel like I get in my own way when I just overthink that instead of just like, walking within my path and walking within my talents, you know, and knowing my worth and everything, you know, imposter syndrome somehow sometimes causes me to say or accept rates that are lower than I normally would accept because I don't think that I deserve things that are higher. Although like oftentimes I'll have contractors who I pay higher rates and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, that's your rate. Well, why can't I say the same thing? Why can't I be confident in that? Like, oh, you're scared you'll lose it. Okay, if you lose it, then you it lost. It wasn't meant over, to be. It wasn't meant to be. And you lost, like, really working for someone who doesn't see your value. Yeah. You know? And, I mean, of course, there is the thing where you, like, you need to eat. So, sometimes you need to take the job and you need to build. But at the same time, it's like, when you know what you offer, you know, really be confident to say about what you're worth, you know, and being accept that and to step into those spaces and pushing yourself into bigger spaces. Um, then I think it's always chasing like things that are bigger than you. And then with the chasing things that are bigger than you, you often think that, oh, I can't achieve that. When if you think about the people who achieve those things, I'm sure they thought they can achieve it for the longest time. But then one day something shifted and they did think that, you know, like mm-hmm. the most successful people in the world aren't out there. I mean, I'm sure they have doubtful days, but they're really working to have really strong minds to get mm-hmm. to the level of success. Like the people at the top of the top are the hardest working people and probably some of the strongest minded people you know, because that's really one of the only ways to kind of break through that barrier of like their bigger success. Well, at least the one the ones that we respect. 
because I right. mean, some yeah. of them. So there are some of them out there <laughs> you that know, just some, make it and just you some are so, randoms and you like right how how why yeah. and, and, and I just blame society I really do because I'm like it really comes out society you bought into this bullshit are you for right. real and that uh, is 100 percent true but the ones we respect like the Beyonces of the world the Issa Rae's of the world the mm-hmm. you know Quincy Jones of the world the I don't know I can go on forever of the world um right. people who have like really made it who have legacies exactly. are people who have that ironclad focus determination and yes they have doubtful days like everybody but the difference between them and other people is like breaking through like i can do that so really like what's stopping me from saying i can when other people can do it as well hmm. not really stopping me from saying i can me executing on i can not i can but i will and i did right I don't know. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't know. I was just thinking about like, but if it is something having to do with your identity, I mean, aren't you just molded into it? Like when you were a kid, I mean, it's just like, I don't want to say everything stems from it, but I feel like in some way. No, it takes work. I mean, sure. Yeah. There is like something inherent in it. But like for me, like I've invested thousands of dollars in being coached by executive coaches to really help me go on that Mm, vision. So, mm -hmm. you know, I think it's about you taking either you're investing money or just time or whatever into doing it. You know, like I personally have done like concerted, like monetary and like time effort to really kind of push myself forward. So it's not just being born with it. It's actually doing the work for it. Yeah. I guess what I was meaning really, though, is just being, I guess, molded like to say like, oh, you can be anything you want to be, you know, as a kid, which really, I mean, in some form and fashion, I understand what they're trying to do there. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's not really true. I I I, I feel like is it not? No, I, I feel like there's just well, you can do something that this. you're not good at. Obviously, no, I know, but I'm just saying, like when they say like you can be anything that you want to be, but then not telling them about yeah, I feel like it's so broad. It's not telling them about the railroads yeah. and the work, and so mm. that's why you have a lot of people walking around here barely doing anything and expecting everything. Everything they expect mm. they. And, and I, I'm telling you, I mean, I've seen it so many times and so, and within, especially in work, working in film, you know, mm-hmm. some of the audacity of some of the people I've seen, like the requests that were made and just different things. And I'm just like, you know, they're paying us to be here. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, and I understand like, yes, know your worth, but don't be like, I don't know. There's like a certain like sour, like taste that I've experience where it's just kind of like okay that's cool but like don't be an asshole you know Mm -hmm. it's just like just because it wasn't what you said it was going to be and so now you just trash the whole experience at what point do you you know no matter how big you get i feel like we've seen that quote so many times it doesn't matter how you know how much money you have or whatever all people Mm -hmm. are going to remember is how you treated them so Hmm. you can be respectful Mm -hmm. and still get your point across without you know tacking on all the extraness it's true so you have found your rainbow is basically what you're saying (laughs) i think so yeah rainbow creative is my company i have rainbows everywhere well not everywhere but yeah i feel like i have definitely found my rainbow and what i love about it is 
the reason why I named it is just the whole biblical concept of the rainbow about being God's promise for you. And for me with my company, it's like, you know, God's promise, you know, for me was to make kind of like this. So that's where a rainbow creative kind of like comes from. It's his promise for me to make this vision and company come true. So I'm just really always acting within that space. And that's something I should remember. And I think that could actually help with imposter syndrome, knowing that like, hey, you know, I feel like this is a purpose that I have. So let's act within that purpose and not be scared because as long as I'm walking in it, I feel like I'm walking in my purpose. Yes. I think it's just at the end of the day, like don't dismiss the things you've done. You know, don't Mm. dismiss it. Like step mm-hmm. into it. And also just remind remind yourself, I think the biggest thing to like help with it or overcoming it is just remind mm-hmm. yourself of all the good things people have said. Mm-hmm. You know, like there are some people, yes, That's like good. we were just talking about, they were pretty stank or whatever, but there yeah. are really good people in the world and you are one of those people. So I just Thank feel you. like as long as you continue putting out that energy and mm-hmm. just keep doing you, like there's no way that, you won't eventually overcome that. You know, I feel like as mm. long as you just keep that glow, I feel like <laughs> then you, the that. next time someone like even t- remotely tries to play you, like you just check them in the, you know, mojo way that you do, you know, but, <laughs> you know, but I know sparkles. you. With rainbow sparkles. Just be, just be you, you Great. know? Yeah, I love that. Thank you. That's awesome. Well, Uh, We're going to transition here Mm -hmm. into Roses. And so Roses is a segment Katrina and I, shout out to Katrina. I miss her Mm -hmm. so much. She'll be back. She'll be back. And I'm sure she's going to have all kinds of stories. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Actually, I take that back. She'll have all kinds of stories for me. I don't know. She'll Uh share it with you. Maybe Uh a little bit. Maybe a, a, a... a hint, uh-huh. but um, I was going to say uh, we created this segment just because we're always hearing people say like, you got to give them the roses while they're still here. And mm-hmm. I'm always like, I want that to be true. But a lot of times there's those same people at the funeral, boohoo, crying in the front row and they know they didn't really say mm-hmm. how they felt. They didn't mm-hmm. get it out. And then if it is somebody mm-hmm. that you just, you know, maybe you don't know them, but they've helped you in some form or fashion. I just think it's good to just put that energy out there. So have you go first for this okay <laughs> i was because now you, i'm rethinking my person i was hoping you wouldn't say that really? but i will i'm gonna do it anyway okay, okay so i'm gonna give my roses to and i'm not sure if i gave it to him already but mm-hmm. i'm for sure giving my roses to d nice um oh, you went to his concert didn't you? yes i went to his concert yeah. at the bowl and when i tell you it was a movie really it was a movie it was just the energy in the room, mm-hmm. in the bowl. I've been to a million bowl shows. Okay. You know, I'm always mm-hmm. in Hollywood, but I never experienced that. I feel like everyone was having an outer body experience. Mm-hmm. Just wow. like the same, like, you know how black people get down too. Like, you know, when, right. the, when the shit's good, it's like, hey, yeah. Right. Hey. Like everyone was There's just having their that. own yeah. like moments, but all simultaneously, like just feeling it and uh-huh. putting on shows. I mean, I saw like <laughs> people just dancing and like when it, mm. when he got to like slow, like grinding music, like people like getting all like the body roll section was happening. Oh you had you know <laughs> women just you know th- thinking about throwing their panties up and <laughs> you know it was just it was in tank. It was just such a good vibe. Uh, mm-hmm. It had everything. It had theatrics 
It mm-hmm. had gospel. It had mm-hmm. the old school but with the new school. And he really created a community on Instagram Live. And I right. feel very much a part of that community. I don't know mm-hmm. a lot of those people. A lot of them came from different places mm-hmm. uh, because they just wanted to be there for this night because it was just like 18 months of us just watching him on live and a lot of people alone and you know just in the comment section and just laughing and just um entertaining each other because it was such a horrible time going on so i'm giving if i gave it to him before i'm giving it to him again um (laughs) it really shows that d nice is like a genuine brother i would just say he's just somebody that just emulates light and you Mm -hmm. can feel that even though he was nowhere near us, you mm-hmm. know, I had really good seats and he still was like up, you know, up in a way yeah. in this huge DJ booth. <laughs> you could just feel it. You could just yeah, feel it. Yeah. And I just thank him because like those were some really, really dark times for me because I am, like I said, I go out a lot. I would go mm-hmm. out dancing like once a week. Like that's that mm-hmm. was my version of letting go and just like, oh, I got to shake this week off or I got to I got to right. be active and not having that. Yeah, there were some many nights when I was really down and just turning that on and just listening to music, you know, smoking a little joint, drinking a little (laughs) bit, you know, and just like getting out of my head of like, oh, shit, like if I go outside, I might get really sick or, you know, my grandparents, they're old. I want them to live. You know, it's like Mm -hmm. start thinking about all the things that you haven't done and how you want those people to be there because you know how much they really love you and they really would be right. so proud and you want that you want those moments i feel and yeah. uh yeah so i just shout out to him i i mean i was so moved by the show mm-hmm. that that night was the or the next night i decided i'm going to go to the new york show and the new york show wow. and you was thursday and i booked a ticket no and way then today he announced that he's pushing the date from Thursday to the 16th because of Hurricane Ida. So he's oh, like, you know, damn. the weather, it's going to be raining in New York right now. And he's like, I want it to be, <laughs> I'm assuming he's like, I want it to be, you it's know. going to be an outside concert there? Yeah, it's outside, like oh, in a okay. big park That's why. in Brooklyn. Yeah. So did you push your tickets? So I canceled my flight because yeah. I did it within 24 hours. So right. that was fine. But I pushed my, I was able to push my hotel to that date. So that was fine. Yeah. I mean, I still have the tickets. You're a big fan. That's awesome. I still have the tickets. I'm not like 100% going, but I'm like 70. I'm like up there. That sounds so fun. And so I'm just going to go for the weekend. I mean, I love New York anyway. um, Right. But, you know, right now traveling is fucking scary. So, you know, it's a little, you know, whatever. So (laughs) I am going to be, you know, I'm not going to be walking around a lot. I'm going right. to go, I'm experience the city, but in a certain way, like I can't yeah. be really like out there, out there, but being in an open park and an open space, I feel like, okay, mm-hmm. like I could do the same thing at home, you know, and right. the risk would still be there. So yeah, I'm going to risk it and hopefully experience the Brooklyn show because, you know, he's from New York yeah. and I feel like he's going to bring out even more you know, it's not the same people performing, you know, each city is different. So I feel like he's going to probably pull off the stops for New York as well. So Mm -hmm. who do you have in LA? He had the Isley brothers, um, common George Clinton, tank, Deborah Uh Cox. Jeez. 
Oh my God, Deborah Cox. Oh. Her voice, man, just velvet. I mean, it was so yeah. amazing. Uh, yeah. Sheila E. That's a Tank Tank and Trey songs. Yeah, yeah um, Trey songs. Yeah. And then Erica Campbell. Uh-huh. And then there was a choir there, but I wasn't sure. I can't remember their name, but yeah, it was good. Um, That's awesome. He like got his like praise and worship in at the beginning. He was like, okay, because mm-hmm. I know later I'm about to be playing all this, you know, freaky music. <laughs> honor God first. We're going to honor him first for bringing me here and living out this yeah. dream because, I mean, he literally just said it on Instagram. Like during one right. of the many nights, he was like, you know, it'd be so crazy if like the first time we all get together, it's at the Hollywood Bowl. He just said it. That's wild. Yeah. And then Live That's Nation so, I remember Urban, I saw it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Reached out to him. It was like, let's make it happen. Like when this oh shit opens gosh. up, let's do it. And he's like, what? <laughs> so. <laughs> the Hollywood yeah. Bowl. Yeah. yeah. And he's um, a DJ, I mean, I dude. He's not even yeah. like, you know what I mean? Wow. I'm not saying, I'm not respect to DJ. Yeah. When has there been a DJ at the Hollywood exactly. Bowl? Exactly. That's what I'm saying. It was amazing. Wow. So. Matthew, who are you going to give your roses to? I mean, how do I compare it to D Nice? <laughs> like, what do I say? Beyonce? Like, she roses. Say, I mean, always give Beyonce her roses. Oh yeah, come on. We're uh, we're a part of the Beehive. It is. Yeah, what it is. we are the Beehive, right? I mean, right. we like Beyonce because we breathe. You know? Yes. Like, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously. Let's see. There's so many people I can give roses to. I think I'll focus. I'm giving roses to my executive coach and great friend and brother, Johan Martinez Kalilian. He's my executive life coach. Um, we've been friends for a long time when he was an actor and I was a director and we were talking about creative projects. But where he made like the biggest impact in my life is that he brought me on to be a producer of his podcast. And this was early in my producing podcast producing career. I like had made my um, second one, but I was able to like make a show for him and just really like learn under him and really be coached by him. And like the impact he makes is like he coaches, he speaks to like kids and organizations all across the world and coaches like some really amazing people. And I actually met one of his clients that he coached and I like saw the impact on another person. So I would just like to nice. just give his flowers because I see his impact in my life, but it's really awesome to see impact on other people's lives and that I was able to work on his show and thus work on another client's three other shows because of that. And he's really kind of opened up another world of possibility and he's in and through those clients got me other clients outside of it. So I don't know if he realizes it, Johan, but your one introduction and bringing me on a show has kind of created, I kind of created a whole world in life for me. And I'm just honored to be a part of it. So, Aww, yeah. Love to him. That's yeah. so awesome. Shit, I need a life coach. No. <laughs> hey, I can make intros. They're the best. <laughs> no, I, I prefer my, 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 I prefer my life coach in podcasts. <laughs> that, sounds, okay. that sounds crazy. But like, I, I'm telling you, I listen to so many that, uh-huh. yeah. You got them. They, yeah. they, I, I have them. They just don't know that they're my, they're my life coach. They, you know, we're not Fair homies, enough. but right. You know, thank it. y'all. <laughs> right. Well, awesome. Yeah. We did it. This was, we a, did it. this, this was, was fun. amazing. I had yeah. a good time. I hope you did. Same. I did. I had a great time. I can't wait to hear when it's done. Yes. And thank you so much uh, for being my first guest host. Yeah. You know, I, oh. I told. Man, I'm really honored. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I knew that, but like to hear it is like, 
thing. Yes, because I've had, you know, I've had people come on the show, but, you know, I've always had Katrina there to like buffer. So it's right. it's been interesting for me to be the one like talking. I feel like, like I was a guest me. though. Yeah. You did a good interview job, I feel. I feel yeah. Like we had a riff. We had like we a co-host, but like you, you were giving me some Oprah vibes. Like, you know, you hey. asked me some good questions. <laughs> I feel like we had a good conversation. Yeah. yeah we did. Hope it helps somebody. I love it. Well, that's another episode of Excess Baggage. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Excess Baggage Pod. That's Excess Baggage P-O-D. Be sure to like, subscribe, and review on the podcast app and Spotify. And remember to pack light and keep it tight for a show.